For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Papa with two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. We're back and better than ever. All eyes on the gridiron. Teams are back for another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. New site, bet online, call to action, use the promo code believe, and you could get up to 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget, B L E A V is the promo code. All right, Carl. Dire straits here with Big Blue. I mean, yeah. it's one thing to lose, it's another thing to get run out of your building. And unfortunately for the Giants, if you go back to 2017 now, 9-26 and 26 at home, and too many times people are leaving the building midway through the third quarter after some great halftime ceremony that <laughs> honors the past. Our boss, Don Sperling, is like, ah, we're yeah. always losing at halftime before a ceremony. Yeah, it's, um, it's unfortunate. Um, and they really do have to... Um, play better football and, and, and learn how to, to win, learn how not to lose. You know, they all sound cliches, but I, I can tell you this, Bob, winning is not easy, uh, clearly, because um, more teams would be doing it in this league. But um, in order to win and in order to um really change your fortunes. And, and I, I don't, this is just, this is my personal um, philosophy on this. And, and, and when I say this, people that have played the game will get what I'm saying. It may not, they may not look at it the same way, but they'll get it. And winning, in order to be successful, Something in you, something in your constitution has to die and be reborn. You have oh, to. Oh, I got to hear this one. You have to. Something has to die. Old habits, um, the way you do things, something has to die within your constitution um, in order for you to break through and change the way you do things. Um and, you know, it's some people nail, you know, say, oh, it's culture, it's this, it's that. Something has to die. Something, you have to kill something inside of you, in your constitution, and it has to be reborn. It's just like, uh, I remember training for, for track, right? And I didn't think I could make, you know, five, 400-yard uh, sprints, right? Mm -hmm. And I could do three, no problem, right? And somebody said, you just got to push yourself through it. You got, and then you just, you literally, once you get there, 
something that old guy who didn't think he could do it, he died. He died and then you look forward to it. You look forward to winning. And that's where I think as a team, where they are, something has to die in their constitution and, and just be rebirthed. They got, they've got to push through um, whatever the circumstances are. They've got to push through it. So you're coming into a game without Kadarius Tony, without, you know, a lot of players, um, your best running back, without your best offensive lineman. But you know what? They are not canceling the games. So whatever it is that you got to do to win this game, you just got to do it. And it's going to take, it's going to, can take a lot. It's going to, something's going to die in order for you to win this game. I'm not talking about you're, you're physically, uh, somebody dying physically, but you've, you've got to figure out a way. You can't get to a point in the game where it is what they call do or die. And you said, just ah, screw it. They'll win this one. You got, you've got to be willing to sacrifice something um, constitutionally your personal constitution in order to win. You gotta get back um, on, on a winning side because the losing, I don't wanna say losing is easy, but winning is harder for a team in, in this situation. And they've gotta figure it out no matter what it takes because you're walking into games knowing that you don't have your best players. And even with your best players, you're not the best teams most of the time. So now you just got to figure it out. You just, you got to figure it out no matter what it takes. Um, you, and, and when I say that, this is not one of those rah-rahs, Bob, where you, know, you, you go out there and you got full of energy. No, you make it hard for teams to beat you. You execute, you don't make mistakes. Um, and, and if we're being honest, about the Rams game, they were punching above their weight class, uh, but they made it too easy for the Rams. Like the first first couple of series of the game, you can see, well, they play like this, you know, the Rams are gonna, they're gonna have to earn this victory and they could make a mistake and the Giants can win the game. Well, um, the same holds true for the rest of the year. Now, um, the Giants have got to play uh, not to lose, and they, they, they have to make it difficult for a team to beat them. And they'll get victories. But the way they're playing right now, it's just too easy. It's too easy. Um, and we can get on to, you know, why I think it's too easy in some areas. Um, but I, I, wanna, I wanna really address something that's been in my timeline, man, for the last, since Sunday, right? Um, and Leonard Williams was asked a question in his presser. And I'm looking at it on the monitor. Uh, and he gave a human and an athlete, athletic uh, performer, honest answer. He was asked, and, and I don't know who asked the question, but um, Dan Dugan followed it up um, with an opinion piece. He's asked a question about the fans booing. 
And I just want to read you the, the within the first sentence of what he said is, I understand that they, the fan, have a right to be upset because they're coming to see us put good football on the field. We have not been winning to date. I'm going to read this again. They asked him about how he feels about the fans booing. I understand that they have a right to be upset. They're coming to see us put good football on the field. We haven't been winning up to date. Now, if there's a but after that, it's not to make an excuse. It's the human element of, but I don't like it. Of course. He doesn't like being booed. No one likes being booed. Ask any athlete. How about this one? I got a guy who um, was I was interacting with on social media. He said, I don't have time for Leonard Williams, makes too much money, blah, 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 blah. I'm an ER nurse. I got to go to work and get screamed at, yelled at, and spit on. I said, so you relate. But you still got a job to do. And you still understand that despite the circumstances, you got a job to do, but it's like nobody, he doesn't like being yelled at, uh, screamed at, and spit on. He doesn't. He doesn't go to work for that, but he understands it. He shows up to work every day to do a job. Um, so when when, when um, Dan Dugan, and let me just, let me say something else too. All of the humans that cover the Giants, AKA, uh, beat writers or reporters. I have a healthy respect for. And I'm not even mad at Dan Dugan. And I don't, I don't necessarily have an issue with um, what he wrote in his article, but more calling bullshit on how he buried the lead, right? He put, and, and to his credit, he put everything Leonard Williams said in his article. But in an opinion piece, the writer of that opinion piece has no obligation to um, frame a story that's favorable that doesn't fit his narrative or to frame a story that's fair. So when I say he buried the lead, he buried the part where he says the early, early in his article and early in Leonard Williams's um, his, his, his uh, answer to that, his honest answer, his human answer to that question. He says, I understand that they have a right to be upset. They're coming to see us put good football on the field. We haven't been winning to date. So he buries the lead and then calls the kid tone deaf. How is he tone deaf, Dan? He freaking told you exactly how he understands why the fans are booing. He doesn't like it. You don't like being booed. But Leonard understands why they're doing it. He didn't criticize anybody and say, oh, you guys suck for booing us. He says, I wouldn't go to a man's job or a salesman's job and boo him for the job he's doing. That's his personal. This is, this is Leonard when I'm not interpreting. I am saying exactly what he said. I would not go to a salesman's job and boo him if he does a bad job. That's Leonard's constitution, right? That's how Leonard sees things. This is not uh, um, 
a kid who's soft because he said he doesn't like being booed. Here's the other thing. The one trait that we as humans all have inherently alike is the desire to be liked. That's the one trait we inherently all have. We all have it. And as humans, we understand that there are things that we do that are dissatisfactory um, that people are not gonna like. And even when you do well, we know people are not gonna like some of the things you do. But in this case with Leonard Williams, you wanna call him tone deaf when I think he completely gets it. I think you may be tone deaf to the human condition or you want to be because the kid never, he never blasted the fans. He said he didn't like being booed. Nobody does. No one likes being booed. And then the, the, the fans that have filled my timeline have been seduced into selective listening disorder or selective reading disorder or selective memory disorder because you only saw the part where he's tone deaf. Every one of these comments on, on Leonard on my timeline is, oh, he's tone deaf. He needs to apologize. Apologize for what? What, did he have, what does he have to apologize for? Apologize for what? He didn't insult you. He said he understood why you're pissed off and that they suck right now. He understands that. He understands in order for fans to feel better about this team and not boo this team, they got to put a better product on the field. They got to put good football on the field. So listen, I don't have an issue personally with Dan. I don't even have an issue with how Dan wrote his article because I know what he was doing, but he led y'all right down the path and then you guys bit the bait. You did not read Leonard's opening, within his opening statement that he understands that you have a right to be upset because you're coming to see good football on, and we put on the field and we haven't been winning. That's what he opened with. You don't have to apologize for being human and saying he doesn't like being booed. You don't either. And it don't don't give me this. Well, he makes so much money. Well, that's and, always yeah. the bottom line. Right. And that's what Dan, Dan put it in his article, too. He put it in there about the money he makes. It doesn't matter. The ER nurse doesn't like being spit on while trying to care for people. Right. So if it does it make a difference if if Leonard Williams uh, makes the money he makes or the last man on the roster who makes very little money came up and said the same thing. It's the human condition, right? Um, but booing is not good if someone showed up at your kid's game and because they're amateurs and booed your kid, right? Or what if someone booed you and said you're a horrible parent? Nobody likes it, folks. But we know the price that comes with playing professional sports. That is, you know, there's an emotional connection with the fans and the fan base. He gets that. And he knows that in order for that to change, they got to win. He doesn't have to like it, but he knows. And he admitted that, again, 
I understand they have a right to be upset. They're coming to see us put good football on the field. He didn't bury that. He opened up with that, right? And then he gave you his human response of, I don't like being booed, but nobody does. So he shouldn't apologize. What is there to apologize for? He understands why you guys are upset. So, Carl, you make a lot of great points. I'll give you an example, right? So I get back from the game on Sunday. Kathleen and Max are at the game. They leave early, obviously. They're listening to the post-game show on the way home, sitting in traffic. And the first thing she says to me when I get home, you know, she's a therapist by trade. So she deals mm -hmm. with human element, human nature, the human condition. And the first thing she says to me is, wow, that was a really thoughtful answer by that player on the Giants about being booed. I mean, and she was like, I can't believe that then they tried to like trick him to get him to say a statement or say something that was going to kind of be slanted against the fans. And then she said, and I know every other player that came on during the interviews, that was like the first question. Well, she's yeah. like, who doesn't want, who wants to be booed? Nobody wants to be booed. He gave a human answer and he prefaced it with, I understand why. I wish they wouldn't. I'm paraphrasing. I don't like it. We don't want them to boo. You know, I think about this, Carl. You know, first of all, it always goes back in pro sports, you know, because you were a pro athlete. It goes back to Kajish. You know, the, the contracts and salaries of players, entertainers, athletes is made public. It's mm -hmm. becomes public knowledge. So people automatically look at it and like, man, I would do that for nothing. So they attach a dollar sign to it and they forget that they're actually human beings. I mean, they, they, they have their own flaws. They get injured. They have their own, they're people, the people, mm -hmm. they're not, they're not fantasy. I think this is another problem. Fantasy sports has depersonalized the athlete where they're just a number. Now they're a number, they're a value yeah. production. Do they help me win my fantasy? Uh, I can trade them at will. I can wave them at will. I can pick them up at will. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, if you talk to any coach, any GM, and you and I have been in facilities forever, you know, we see the general manager, Dave Gettleman, or it was Jerry Reese before that, or Ernie Corsi before that, uh, mm -hmm. and people from the front office, remember, sitting down, having lunch with guys, talking to guys, chatting with guys by the coffee machine, or someone's getting a Gatorade, or someone's getting a sandwich. Hey, how you doing, kid? You know, how's the family? How's mom and pop doing? Maybe they, maybe during the vetting process, before they brought a player mm -hmm. in, they got a chance to meet the family. And that gets completely lost. And on another note on this, so who out there hasn't, let's say, been to a restaurant, okay? And you go and, and you're expecting a good meal and you're paying a, big, a nice dollar for a meal and the service of the food stinks. So you call the waiter over on numerous occasions and maybe you have to ask to speak to the manager and maybe you're sending this dish back that it's cold, this wasn't good, that wasn't good. And now you start to get agitated. Well, you're booing basically the mm 
the people that are working in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And then if you choose to leave a small tip as your way of voicing your displeasure, that's another version of booing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it happens. And you don't think that that server or that chef or that they feel bad about it. Cost them money. It's a different thing as far as the money part. But people voice their displeasure. But you could do it respectfully. And they're allowed to feel bad about it. Right. I mean, that's the thing about it. They don't like it. They don't. I don't know many chefs, and we know a lot, that pride themselves on serving bad food. Okay. Or uh, anyone in the service industry pride themselves on giving bad service. So when people are dissatisfied, they don't like it, but they understand. And they, they try to do a better job at it. So again, you know, don't have this, this selective uh, listening disorder or this selective uh, memory disorder because the best thing that could happen to you as a human being, a non-athlete, when you sit in a restaurant, to Bob's example, and you didn't like something, and that manager comes out and says to you, I understand. Can you tell me what happened? Do, would, you, would you like us to give you a new meal? Uh, or I'll take something off your uh, your bill. But just the fact that they addressed your concerns and said, we understand. When you call a manager and the manager says, screw it, it's yours, then you got a problem. And then they got a problem. But just like a good manager who doesn't want to be uh, known for serving crappy food, will acknowledge, hey, okay, I apologize, we apologize, um, we try not to let this happen again. But, you know, it's not like t tough luck, get over it, you know? Um, so listen, fans, don't be led down this road where you don't see these young men as humans. Um, again, Dan Dugan and all the other writers like I said, I have a healthy respect for. They have no obligation to frame a story that favors a player in a bad year. Let's just be honest about that. If they want to do that, they go cover community service. But what they're looking for are opportunities for you, the fan, to give an opinion slanted towards the things that they want you to be slanted towards, like what Leonard Williams makes how tone deaf he is. Um, and, you know, when you write an opinion column, that's what you write. You write your opinion and you hope people or you try to get as many people uh, to view it that way as possible. It's your right um, to see Dan Dugan's article as you see it, but it's also your obligation to see everything that's in that article and not gloss over the most important part that should matter to you. The fan, because if you're pissed off and you think he should apologize, then you should see the part where he said he understands why you're mad because they are playing bad football. Yeah. And I mean, and, and I don't think either one of us is saying, hey, look, if you go to the game and you fork out, a, you've spent this boatload of money on PSLs, parking tickets, your jerseys, all the food. It ain't cheap going to a, a sporting event, in this case, going to a Giants game. Look, and if, and if you're displeased with the product and they're losing 28 to three, 
and you want to boo, I mean, you could boo, but it doesn't mean that the players have to like it. It doesn't have to mean that they want to bring an eye. I think as long as you're respectful um, and you want to voice your displeasure or whatever, yeah, you could voice it. Are, you, are, are we on the same page with that? I'm on the same page with you on it. I, I, I never um, have criticized anybody for booing. I mean, as a matter of fact, you know, when the, on the rare occasions where we were booed in Giant Stadium, Harry Carson took it personal. But it was more personal as a challenge to us. Hey, look, look, they're pissed off at us. And, you know, Harry went through the 70s, right? Yeah. Well, we're this is the going, this is worse than the 70s now. Yeah, where booing in the stadium was was commonplace. Um, and as we were trying to turn things around, he, you know, he started to tell us these stories. And uh, he didn't like it, uh, but he didn't want us to like it, and he didn't want the fans to be booing. So we had to give them something uh, to cheer about. So um, that's what I got on that. Um, again, folks, don't have selective reading, memory, and listening disorder. Um, if you want to criticize a kid, make sure you understand exactly what he said, because there is nothing left to interpret about what he said. He said exactly as an athlete, how he felt, and as a human, how he felt. As an athlete, he knew why, and he acknowledged that they're playing bad football. As a human, he didn't like it. There's no one, no one likes being booed. This is the inherent trait of all of us. We all want to be liked. We need acceptance in our life. We can say we don't, but we're in, we are humans. We don't like living in negativity. So let's, um, let's spin this now. This team has been, I gave you the record at home. They've been awful at home. Andrew Thomas was placed on injured reserve. Uh, we knew CJ board would be, out with the fractured forearm. Mm -hmm. Shepard was a bright spot. <clears throat> Obviously, Kadarius Tony re-aggravated that ankle. Um, you're going into this game limited. They don't have their best player, but they're much more, they've been much more competitive mm -hmm. and they have three wins. Um, what's the path to victory? I know you had a chance to study this and prepare for this game. Um, <clears throat> look, that. You mentioned something earlier in this podcast. Last week, the Giants were punching up in weight class, meaning they were going against a better, one of the top teams in the NFL. I think it's safe mm -hmm. to say at this point, <clears throat> every week, whether the Giants are injured or healthy, until they prove that they can win football games, every week they're punching up in class. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this week That's they're fair. punching a little less up in class. What? what <clears throat> How do they win this football game? Or what are some of the things that they have to do, can they do to win this football game? Well, here's, here's what they have to come to the realization of. Every team in the league has got something missing, right? The Cleveland Browns are now coming into their next game with no running backs. Um, both wide receivers are injured. And a quarterback who's basically um, playing with one arm, right? Um, but you got to find a way to win. There's a path to victory. So um, it's number one mentality, Bob, 
when I said something has to die in your constitution in order for you to break through. Um, and it's and this just takes me to the, the made for TV moment, you know, because uh, Coach Judge talked about they're all in the submarine. They know they are, it's only them that could get them out, right? And then so my um, my guy Dan Orlowski referred to uh, Joe Judge as Timmy Toughnuts, and says players don't like Timmy Toughnuts. Like they don't they don't like that that type of talk, and. As long as those calls are coming from outside the building and those players still believe in their coach, um, they can get out of it. Um, but when the calls start coming from inside the building and there's doubt starting to um, starting to, to kind of seep in, then you got a problem. Right now, I don't see any evidence of that, right? I was in Cleveland and I, I'm going to get back to what they need to do this week, right? But I was in Cleveland when everybody was criticizing Bill Belichick and, you know, the calls were coming from outside the building, but they were also coming from inside the building. It made it tough to turn things around. We finally got there three years later, two and a half years later, uh, but it was tough because we had players who was feeding bullshit to the media, uh, talking about, you know, the things that Bill Belichick was doing to the team. And, you know, it was the same Timmy Toughnuts thing, right? But he knew what it took to, to win. And he just needed players to buy into it holistically. And we finally did. So uh, when Joe Judge says that this team, we're in the submarine together, meaning they're in it and they're the only ones who can get out of it. What do they need to do to win football games? Well, I can list a few things. Uh, but first, it's their mentality and believing that they can for 60 minutes, sacrificing everything they can as players to get that victory. Now, as coaches, you got to do something to help them as well, right? Um, again, I don't think anybody goes out with the intention of calling a bad game or putting bad plays out there, just like players, right? but you got to give yourself a better chance to win a football game. And when I say that, you're down some wide receivers, you're up some wide receivers. <clears throat> but there are three constants on this roster that, in my opinion, could help you a great deal. And it would, it would also help your quarterback and your run game. Those constants are Kyle Rudolph, uh, E-double, and Caden Smith. Those three players, so no, no matter what the rotation is, those guys can help your, your offense move the ball. When you're not running or you're getting, you're getting average yards running and then you want to try to take a chunk play, we know that, oh, yeah, the offense is, 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 is not as exciting. They don't put points on the board. Well, we do know Kyle Rudolph is really good in the red zone. Figure out how to get him the ball in the red zone. Uh, we know in third and medium situations, Evan Ingram can have a matchup advantage. Caden Smith and Kyle Rudolph can have a matchup advantage. But you would think they all suck because we haven't seen enough of them. So I forgot now, Ingram was in the game the other day for a yeah, stretch. Right. So <clears throat> when you meet, look, 
in order to win games right now, you might have to make it boring. It may not be a 40-yard pass play. It may be a 12-yarder. It may be another 12-yarder, and then you might hit a 20, right? But if you got your quarterback staring down wide receivers, waiting for wide receivers to get open, and he's not um, looking at his tight end as an option, then you're not really utilizing the talent you have. So you're in the you're in the submarine together. Um, let's look at plays that can help your team. It's it's always good to correct, let they say clean up. Well, Daniel said that he he stared down the receiver and he made a bad decision with the football. Okay, fine. What are the other options available to Dan? Daniel. Um, why aren't you using the tight ends more in your offense? Well, because you thought maybe the fans wanted to see more scoring. Well, right now, you just got to get one more point than your opponent. And you can deal with, well, the Giants ain't scoring enough points, but they're winning football games, right? Because right now, it's not points. It's wins. And you need more points than your opponent to win. So if you got to make it boring as heck, in order to win football games, great. Now, on the other side of the football, they've got to settle this defensive backfield down. A lot of different personnel looks, a lot of matchup mismatches. Um, this is the second time um, this year in second time in three games that we find linebacker covering the wrong guy. Um, and you got to have a check. Put them in something they can play. And I always say this, and I, you know, and Coach Graham is, is, is a friend of mine. I tell him to his face, get them all in something that they can play. If you see something or if your safety see a matchup issue that you don't like pre-snap, by formation or by motion, you got to check to check to something else, get everybody in something that they can play. Do not take the chance that. Jabril Peppers, Tate Crowder. If Jabril Peppers is lined up on Cooper Cup, even if he's got help, right? There's probably going to be a little bit of panic in the technique because you're playing a wide receiver, right? Um, and he probably lines up in the technique, doesn't play it well. And Cooper Cup is the more experienced. He's their best wide receiver, right? If you see this matchup, check check to zone, check to whatever you got to be in, but do not allow that matchup to happen. Back motions out the backfield, just based on experience in the Washington game, right? Back goes out, linebacker follows him. They did that for a reason, to see if they were in their coverage. So they know exactly where they want to go with the ball. Um, Take Crowder on the back, big play. You see that? Check to something else. Get to, play the game on your terms when you have the opportunity. You cannot um, continue to roll the dice with personnel because it confuses the offense. You give them a lot of different looks, but if your guys can't execute it, then those looks are for naught. So I'd rather them know we're in something and know that they're going to get minimal versus the home run, right? I'll give up base hits because one thing that happens 
when you make offenses in this league have to go seven, eight, nine plays, the opportunity for a turnover normally shows up during that drive. Now you got to make it, but there's, there's always an opportunity. But when you're giving up 30s and 20s and then another 15, you find yourself in the red zone. You haven't made them earn it. So uh, my message to the offense, figure out how to incorporate your damn tight ends. They're pretty good in terms of skill set. Um, people think people are saying to me, well, they wasted money on Kyle Rudolph. Uh, maybe not, but we wouldn't know because they haven't tried him in the red zone. You know, um, how come there aren't packages that are uh, conducive to his skill set? You got to go back, and, and I'm sure, and I don't know if this is a disconnect, Bob, because I, I don't have those conversations at, at that level. Um, but I'm pretty sure when they went out to sign him as a free agent, they kind of looked at the plays and how he could contribute to the Giants. So much is that, you know, at least when we do our stuff, our um, preseason uh, highlights and free agent pickups, we show what he does. We did a whole video clip on Kyle Rudolph in the red zone, right? Kyle Rudolph's uh, great hand. So I'm sure when they signed him, they signed him knowing where he could help the team. Now, it's up to those who design plays to get him in advantageous position to help him help the team. That's what you need right now. Yeah, listen, um, it's it's inexcusable, Carl. I mean, I'm looking at the, the red zone stats as an example. The Giants have only had 17 trips into the red zone. They have seven touchdowns and six field goals, and a bunch of times they were stopped on downs. I mean, they're last in the NFL at 41%. Now, mm -hmm. um, Detroit and Jacksonville have had similar trips to the red zone. Jacksonville and Detroit have had 16 apiece. Both those teams have 10 touchdowns. I mean, like they're, they're 14th. Like you can't tell me that you haven't had over the course of the year. Now I know Barkley's hurt and I know the guys have gone down, but these numbers are established over the first six weeks. You've had Galladay. You've had Rudolph. You've had Saquon in some of these games. Your red zone offense can't be that bad based on the personnel you have. Uh, why does it feel so difficult? It looks so strained when the Giants are in the red zone, right? Uh, who are your top red? Give me your top three red zone teams. Do you have those available? Yeah. Uh, the Saints. 13 touchdowns and 14 trips. Niners, 10 touchdowns and 11 trips. Bengals, 10 touchdowns and 12 trips. Seattle, 12 and 16. Ravens, okay, 15 there. and 21. So your offense is probably better built for the red zone than outside the red Well, better, better built to – your offensive personnel is better built to have success in the red zone than what you're doing. Because all of those teams you just mentioned, they're tight end centric. 
Baltimore. Um, Cincinnati's using their tight end a lot more, and they run the football. Um, the 49ers use their tight end. Uh, who was the other one? Cincinnati, Cincinnati 49ers. Uh, in New Seattle. Orleans. In New Orleans. New Orleans runs the football, right? Yeah. So when you have the ability and you have the personnel to do those things, it should be easy for you to incorporate the players, the personnel that are built for your personality. I don't think the Giants' offensive personality is, is, is established yet because they haven't quite utilized all of the, the, um, the talent, or I don't want to say weapons because we don't know how big of a weapon they are other than Kadarius Tony, And we know what uh, Sterling Shepard brings to the table, but they just haven't utilized the tight end. You got three tight ends who can do a lot of different things other than block or be decoys. You've got to employ those. And then the thing that is really um, kind of shocking is that, and, and, and look, I have not had any conversations with Jason Garrett, so I couldn't tell you. I haven't had any conversations with Freddie Kitchens. But when you've, when you've coached uh, Jason Witten for, I don't know, what, 10 years? He was coaching Jason Witten? Eight, yeah, a long years? time. And you know the importance of a Jason Witten in an offense, especially one that you're uh, um, spearheading. He was like a hundred years you? old on third and sixes, and somehow they always it so he got open. Right. So why haven't we seen this? You know, so you're discouraged because Evan Ingram dropped a couple passes. Okay, well, you got Caden Smith, you got Kyle Rudolph. You know, you got three options there. But also um, the ability of an Evan Ingram, it's just, it's, it's, you gotta use them. You get, these are your matchups. It's no different than what the Rams did when they saw Tay Crowder in, uh, on a back or they saw Jabril Peppers on their best wide receiver. You find those matchups and you exploit them. Well, it's All you're the, doing is go ahead. I'm it's sorry. what the Giants did against the Saints. They they yeah. got a matchup with Saquon Barkley in space, and then they came back to their credit against the Cowboys, motioned him out. Parsons followed him, and they're like, "This is a home run." And instead of running the go, we're running a deep in cut, and we got everything wide. And Parsons mm-hmm. ain't pressing him; he's going to stay off him because he knows he can't stay with him. And then, of course, then we get back to player execution. Daniel Jones decides to airmail a nine iron over the green on a play that you could, if you hit it, who knows? It's 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 still running now. And then Barkley gets hurt on that that very same play. So it's a game of matchups. Use them to your advantage. You know, use them to your advantage, and 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 that's where um, this team really has to go. Um, in order to get in the win column, it ain't gonna be easy. You can you can you can lose a player a week, um, but they're not canceling games, and you have to figure out how to win. And, and defense and defensively, Carl, they need their guys need to make plays when it matters. Like uh, sure. you know whether it's a Dory Jackson dropped interception against Atlanta. 
Um, you know, all these in- Jones gets knocked out, Barkley's hurt, Galladay's hobbled, but somehow it's 10 10 in Dallas. And yeah. Bradbury's got a chance for an interception and he doesn't make it. And suddenly you're down 17 10. You know, even the listen, it's not why they lost the game, but it's an example. I know McKinney had two interceptions, but when the game was still competitive, you know, you get that tip ball by Raglan. You got to come away with that, man. You're punching up class. Yeah. You're pun- up wake. The- yeah, it's all fine. You get them at the end of the game when you're getting smoked, but you got, they got to make plays when it matters. Yeah, they do. And look, uh, to their credit, because I, I did specifically name a few people on our last pod, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence played really good football. And, um, I hope, and this is just, just, it's beyond the sacks that we saw. Some of the other things that they did in that game uh, will show up on game tape. And my hope is that their example, because when your best players have to play good football and your role players have to uh, do their jobs, well, it's time for everybody else now to follow that lead. They have to be consistent. That's one in a row for Dexter and Leonard. Um, Now it's time for the other guys. You know, um, why were they getting gashed in the run game? Uh, People say, oh, that was Leonard Williams and Dexter. No, maybe it's your second level players that didn't have the right run fits. Because if you got got your defensive ends, I mean, defensive tackles um, that are eating up blocks and your linebackers are free, go fill the hole. And if you're afraid, and I'm not saying anybody's afraid, but if you think you're outmatched and wouldn't hold up, get there faster. Once you get there faster, you get a guy before he gets going. You know, so um, defensively, you got to get your personnel into something they can play. Even if the other team knows it, they still have to execute. More so than putting the onus on your one or two players who've got to execute flawlessly when you know that the matchup is not favorable to your group. So and they, um, and they got some wide receivers this week that can put a hurt on. Yeah. I mean, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. I mean, if, if the giants aren't, you know, when Sam Darnold has time, you can be threatened. And he moves in the pocket. So pass rush lanes are important too, but, you know, it's the back end of this defense, the second level of this defense that has to um, perform, but it's also the play calling, what you have them in. What you, get them and say, it's okay to be boring. You can play cover two and cover three all game and force the other team to execute all the way down the field, right? And I guarantee you, within every long drive, there is a turnover opportunity. Go look at the games. If you go eight, nine plays in a drive, <clears throat> there's going to be a tip ball. There's going to be a drop something or an almost fumble. There's going to be an opportunity. And that's where um, this team has to be in order to start winning. You got to win ugly. You got to be willing to just do whatever it takes. And, you know, um, when you talk about, circling the wagons and, you know, I keep, you know, coach keeps saying that it's just them. Right. And it just took me back to 
the um, beautiful collaboration of uh, Buddy Ryan and his teams, right? Now, they're two different types of coaches. I'm not comparing the two. But there was no coach that could flex like Buddy Ryan, the late, great Buddy Ryan, because his teams, they circled the wagons. It was them against the world. And then there was, I call him Flex Ryan. Same thing. He could get teams. It was his teams against the world. And that's where the Giants are right now. It's them versus everybody else. Ain't no help coming. So you might as well get an attitude of, of we got to just do whatever it takes in order for us to win this game because um, each week they're punching above their weight class until they prove that they can stay in the ring with anyone. And right now they can't stay in the ring. You know, they don't hold up. And it's, you know, we knew the Rams were going to be a tall order. They didn't make it difficult for the Rams. We know what the Carolina Panthers are. They're aggressive. They're going to try to exploit what they see as your weaknesses on your offensive line. Uh, they're going to try to run the football uh, because their offensive line blocks pretty good. Um, it's you against everybody else. It's you against the world, Giants. And it's time now to really take that mentality because it's, you know, there are, there are words that are spoken. I think your heart's in the right place, but you got to, you know, something like I said, something in your constitution has to die to break through and it's time. All right. I think uh, you got anything else to get off your chest or you're pretty good. Though? No, that's it, man. All that's right. So it. make sure you I'm head sure to the web. Nope. I'm showing up at everybody's job to boo them. <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> that's a joke, everybody. That's I know. a joke. Well, listen, uh, one thing you don't want to boo is go to the website, use the mobile app, sign up today, 50% off the welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget, use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. You receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2021. Bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Carl, uh, well, how do we always end this? Tell a friend, tell a friend. Tell, tell a friend, friend to tell a friend. Uh, this one is... Uh... One that everyone must listen to. So when you hear this, folks, you tell a friend to tell a friend. All right, let's see if the Giants could get back in the win column this week to take on the Panthers at MetLife Stadium. For Carl Banks, Bob Papa, tell a friend, tell a friend. Believe in Giants. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.